Hello, and welcome to season three of the Growth Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Appel. Today, I am joined by power couple Carol Fabrizio and Jill Potter, the uh, founders and primary operators of Helm Coffee. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. Hey, very excited to be here. We've got quite a few things to talk about here today, so we are just going to dive right in. The main focus of this podcast is both kind of personal and professional growth as well as the entrepreneurial journey. So not to bury the lead, but both of you are also fairly recent converts to the central Indiana region, as well as fairly recent converts to the whole entrepreneurial journey. So Mm -hmm. maybe could you talk about uh, how you ended up here in central Indiana, as well as what led you to want to start a coffee roaster? Sure. I'll I'll start with how we got here. Uh, This is Carol. I actually grew up about 90 minutes from here in central Illinois. Always swore that I was going to keep moving around and not move back to the Midwest. But as you get older and have kids and our family, you know, was here, it became more and more attractive. And a job opened up here at USA Gymnastics. So I moved here primarily for the job as chief communications and marketing officer for USA Gymnastics, where I was for about a year and a half before moving into my own entrepreneurial venture. Yeah. And at the time we moved here, I was working for Ernst & Young and we, right? Is that right? You, you started working there after we moved here. Oh, well, yes. you know, it's, it's hard to remember, <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, and one random day we saw a coffee roaster in a car detail shop and I said, Hey, whose is that? And I started roasting on that machine, mostly for our consumption because I was missing, you know, good coffee. And it's always been a dream of ours to open a coffee shop for about 10 years. And so that kind of got us back into the Java, I guess, so to speak. Then we kind of, you know, kept our ear to the ground for some space and found some and decided to stay. We're going to go into the coffee shop portion, but I, I have to go. You saw a coffee roaster in a car detailing <laughs> shop. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I know. Thank you. Yes, Thank you yes, for did. Yes. pushing on that. <laughs> um, I said, whose is that? And the guy that ran the uh, car detailing gig, uh, it was his dad's. He was just a hobbyist. And so I wrote down my name and my number and said, hey, like, I'd love to borrow your roaster sometime. <laughs> and uh, he called me. Yeah. So then I started roasting. And Jill roasted coffee before in Denver. So she knew how to roast coffee. She wasn't just asking to play on this gigantic machine. Correct. She, she knew how to <laughs> roast coffee. Yes. I think probably the more important thing for uh, all entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs on the call is you never know when your passion is going to strike you and you got to be ready, right? Totally. It's so true. <laughs> And also, if you know Jill, you know, like her coming home and saying, hey, I picked up the car from the detail shop and now I'm going to roast on that guy's roaster is like not actually that surprising. It's very, very, very on brand for yes. Jillian. <laughs> and I guess also always follow your passions and be who you are, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, before we get get a little bit more into Helm, because uh, it is a it's a very interesting story, and it's a beautiful space, which we'll we'll get on to the end. But maybe talk a little bit about both of your personal and professional arcs that have led you here. And it, we've now kind of gotten to the point where you have kind of almost dual rainbows, right? You've got dual arcs where you've got the careers that you started in, and you also have mm-hmm. the career that you're building with Helm. So maybe could you share with the listeners a little bit about kind of what brought you to this podcast today? 
Oh, man. Well, I fell in love with coffee, I guess, um, when I was training for the Olympics in San Diego. And I stumbled into a coffee shop and asked for a cup of black coffee. And they responded, well, from where? And I said, well, from that carafe right there. <laughs> like, not knowing that there was a more elaborate, you know, road to go down in terms of coffee. That kind of sparked my interest in coffee. And as a professional athlete, I had the opportunity to, to travel the world. And instead of doing traditional tourist kind of options, I would instead go to coffee shops, coffee roasteries, and from the get-go knew that I wanted to get into coffee after retiring from sport. And then you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, let, let me let me help with the segue there. When she came back from Rio, it was actually really, oh, yeah. really interesting because getting into coffee roasting is not easy. You have to have some experience with roasting. And of course, how do you get experience roasting if you never roasted? And so Jillian offered to work for free as an intern at a coffee roaster in Denver. And of course lots of, and another kind of entrepreneurial family owned business. And they said, yeah, we'll take free labor. And then a spot opened up and Jill started roasting on a huge roaster there and learned how to actually roast coffee for a big commercial operation. And so, which is not, again, not a surprise at all because her work ethic is just like that. So it kind of, yeah. And then it was kind of always a work, but also a hobby. And when we moved to Indianapolis, coffee was kind of just in the background and Jill uh, got an opportunity to work for Ernst & Young. I'm going to let you talk about that. Yeah, through... <laughs> You're good at this. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Through a, I came to EY through an athlete transition program. And it's basically a program where they hire retired Olympians and Paralympians. And they say, hey, we value your skills beyond just your you know, career experience. And so they brought us in. They taught us how to do corporate stuff, you know. <laughs> and I'm still learning all that. P.S. And... And then coffee just was still kind of there and a couple things like Jillian running into a roaster at a detailing <laughs> shop and kind of just kept, you know, coming up in our lives and the space we got kind of lucky on, it showed up. And so that's how Jillian ended up with a full-time job at Ernst & Young and also opening a coffee shop space. And then <laughs> my journey started actually as a lawyer. And so I was I was in a big law firm in LA and went in-house for Vail Resorts in Denver. And so I spent about eight years in law before becoming chief of staff to the CEO and focusing a lot more on leadership development. And at that time, I got my coaching certification and kept coaching, even though I had moved to the business side of things professionally, always was kind of coaching folks on the side to keep those skills up. And we moved here for the chief communications and marketing officer job at USA Gymnastics. And I just, you know, with Jill having the EY job and having some other opportunities with coaching, decided to take that full time. And so that's been just over a year of full-time coaching and consulting on my end, which makes it a lot more flexible for us to be able to open a space. So that's kind of how we got here. All right. Well, we're going to get into the career side here, but for the benefit of the listeners, that was not an intentional humble brag that you were listening to a former Olympian and somebody who had the pleasure of being able to work at Vail Resorts. So I'm personally very jealous of both of you. But on the uh, kind of on on where you left that, Carol, yes. you know, you you touched on giving you the flexibility, hmm. right? And that can mean a lot of different things to different people. And yeah. I think one thing that, as a culture, as a society, that maybe we say we value, but we don't Mm -hmm. always live it out is this idea of flexibility and balance, right? And for some people that truly is prioritizing the things that 
are important in carving out the time for it. And other people just means instead of working 10 hours yeah. a day, I'm going to work 16 hours a day. So, mm-hmm. you know, as people who have truly, you know, between the two of you, at least three careers, in addition to a full-time relationship and being parents, how do both of you view that? And since you've opened Helm, I guess, what lessons have you learned that, that you think would be good to share with the listeners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I'll say part of the reason that I wanted to go full time to go into my own entrepreneurial gig is because in the kind of executive world, there really isn't a lot of a lot of ways to peel back. You can have good boundaries, but even with boundaries, you're still responsible for a lot. You're on twenty four seven, and I think there's always this implicit notion of well, if you don't do that and you're not super ambitious in that world, then you're mailing it in, right? It's one or the other. You're either punching a clock or you're working 24-7. And I really rejected that. I think that there is a way to work very purposefully and very intentionally and with a lot of effort and heart in what you do, but also making time for the parts of your life that make you you. And so this last year has been a lot more about working in that way. So I feel really very involved with my clients and my work. And I love what I do. And it feels very purposeful. And up until we had our daughter this summer, I was able to pick up my son from school every day. Those are the things that we wanted to make time for. Even the shop on Saturday and Sunday, the whole family spends a lot of time there, right? So we're working, but we're also together. We're doing things in a way that is kind of integrated between work and life. It's not so black and white. So we've kind of intentionally created this life where the things that we're working on feel really core to who we are instead of something we have to do. Yeah. I like that. I think the word that you said that I was thinking about was intentional Mm. and being purposeful and intentional with our time and where we spend it and what we say, what we do. And like for Helm, of course, like we want Helm to be incredibly successful, but not at the cost of our family or our other careers or things like that. And I think we built a staff and we are constantly improving on our ways of working, things like that, but not trying to take over the world immediately. You know, we're still learning. There's a lot of lessons and improvements to be had. So um, it's always nice to take it slow. And I Mm -hmm. think we're doing just that. Yeah. We're actually going to New Zealand for three weeks in November which people are always like, what, with our kids. And when we decided to do that, it kind of came up as an opportunity. But then when we decided to say yes, you know, we both kind of looked at each other and thought, isn't this why we set up our lives this way? Like, is it so we could do things like this when the opportunity strikes? And and so we're doing it. It's a little scary with a new business and a new baby, but that's exactly why we have it this way. Again, I'm jealous on that one. <laughs> so, so Jill, I've got, I've got one question for you and then a question for both of you. The question for you is, you know, as for the listeners, she was an Olympic athlete in a team sport. So, you know, one, to be an, an elite athlete, you have to have a lot of discipline, rigor, scheduling. To be an elite athlete in a team sport, there's another level to it. But clearly through the course of this conversation, you, and I apologize if this term is inappropriate, but you've maintained a sense of joy and whimsy, right? So you got passionate about coffee, you followed it, eventually find a roaster and here we are today, right? So how do you maintain that sense of joy and curiosity when kind of your whole initial career, for lack of a better way of describing elite athletics was discipline, structure, rigor? 
Well, I found rugby just from curiosity, to be honest. You know, someone tapped me on the shoulder and I said yes on a whim, right? And then fell in love with the game. And so I think, you know, being willing to take chances and to find joy in what you're doing, I think is really important. And of course, like with being an elite athlete, yes, that discipline, that rigor, all of that is true, but also like having fun because like, why else would you do it? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I'm always like wanting to improve. And I think it's probably that elite mentality. Like I'm never complacent, like I'm very hard on myself in terms of standards, but I also know that like I give myself some, some leeway, right? Like I'm a little bit. I, and I'll say one of the things, can I, are you okay if I tell the story about when, after your neck injury? Oh, sure. Yeah. When, I don't uh, remember what it is. Yes. Okay. Oh, great. We'll see how this goes. When we first started dating in 2011, um, Joe was recovering from a neck break. She may, you know, at the time she had played for the U.S. Uh, women's team, but wasn't sure if she was going to get back to, to full on playing rugby. And she asked me, you know, because she was like kind of a superstar in that world. And she kind of said, would are, would you still want to date me if I didn't play rugby? As She was 24 at the time, right? So valid question. <laughs> but I, I remember so what I said that is still true, which is that the way you go after rugby is the way you would go after anything. And it's now, you know, 12 years later, 11, I can count, 11 years later. And it's, it's so true. That is exactly you know, it doesn't really matter if it's rugby or coffee or her job at EY. Like that's how she, how she plays rugby, how she trains is the way that she does everything, which is what is so magnetic about her. That's a great story. (laughs) (laughs) So the follow on question is, is really for both of you. And, And Carol, you touched on a little bit in your last answer, which is the intentionality around the team that you're building at home. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's an overstated cliche a lot of times about the parallels between athletics and corporate America. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I mean, clearly both of you have thought very hard about both how you want to be involved and present in the business, how you want it to be not deriving how you spend family time, but a part of your family time. Mm-hmm. An extension of that is the people that you want around you to to enable and support the vision that you have. So I guess, was that something that just happened by accident or was that something that as you were making this journey, you said, this is how we want to build it. And these are the type of people we want to surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. So first I'll say one thing Jillian and I did on like a date night was come up with our values for what we wanted Helm to be. So what were the values that we were going to build this company around? Because we knew it was going to be a space, an organization, a team. And we didn't know yet what that was going to look like, if we were going to hire one person or five people. But we knew that the values that we wanted to live by were going to be the foundation for all of it. That's still, I think, how we approach it. Because you can you can teach people how to make coffee. You can't teach them always uh, or not as easily to to show up in the ways that we're asking from a values perspective. So that part was intentional. The part about how many people we hired and when we hired them was a little bit accidental because we had a little bit of an idea like, oh, we can just do, yeah, it, ourselves. do it ourselves while we're on mat leave. It'll be fine. And we realized quickly that that was, that was a little Pollyanna-ish. So we, we did hire some great folks. And actually the very first person that we met with is our team lead and very much fits our value set and, and has been a great hire. 
Yeah. And I think going forward, right, we'll keep using it as a way to, I guess, bring in candidates and maintain our staff and really build them around this culture. I think one of the things that you said to me was you can't be the only culture Mm -hmm. at home, right? Because like, I'm super friendly. I'm outgoing. I'll try to remember your name. You know, I'll come and take your dish and refill your coffee, right? Like I try to interact with everyone and make them feel welcome and just like excited that they're in the space. And I know not everyone has similar personality to me right so being able to step back this is one of the best things about us going to New Zealand it's like as a testament to like our staff and hopefully Mm -hmm. what they will bring Mm -hmm. themselves as well for the benefit of the listeners I'm just going to read on the very front page of Helm Coffee's website you you lead with your mission and you know can certainly talk more about this but to put it directly in your words spreading the love of great coffee through kindness and connection Mm -hmm. Just from a hiring standpoint, he said, the first person you hired, who's now your team lead, you knew right away. The question is really around the interviewing process. You know, do you, I mean, obviously it's stated on your website. So anyone who would potentially be wanting to work there would see it. But do you lead with your mission and values or do you try to learn what the mission and values of the people you're speaking Mm. to are? So it's it's almost like a chicken and egg type yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's such a great question. There's a Venn diagram there a little bit, right? Because we don't want people to come in and just be a carbon copy of who we are or what we believe. But there's some things that I think are non-negotiables, right? Like we want to connect with people. We want the community to connect. And so if you're not looking people in the eye, if you're not treating everybody who walks in the door as a human to be connected with and, and cherished, then we, we that part is probably non-negotiable. We are a very inclusive space, right? We're obviously gay. We want people of the entire LGBTQ community, but everybody really to feel comfortable in our space. So if that's not something you feel good promoting or supporting, then this is probably not the right place for you. But I think in the interview process, and and I would say both for Helm and for any other role that I've had where I've had to interview a lot of people um, in different kind of executive functions, it's really hard to get at those questions initially right? Because what you're doing is really, yes, you have some behavioral interviewing questions, but I think a lot of times you're using your intuition and your connection with somebody to see, really to take your best estimate of, is this person going to be a good fit? And I think, you know, with, with our team lead, I will, I will say like an immediate warmth, not necessarily as outgoing as, as Jill, but like an immediate warmth and could tell that there was Uh, something about her that was special for our space. But you don't always know that you're right about those things. I've hired a lot of people in a lot of roles and been wrong. So you kind of just learn how to do that a bit. But you're always taking a chance. Yeah, I this is my first time hiring anyone. (laughs) It was really hard. Yeah, especially not having leading questions and things like that. But I think getting to know them as humans, what makes them tick? You know, what are they passionate about? And how does how I'm aligned with them and try to get them to bring out their personality before even giving them a crumb of our mission. Now, if they did some diligence, they might know it, right? But for the most part, I would say, you know, we try to get to know them first as humans and then see what they what they value and if, if we, it aligns. And then we can kind of share and say, hey, what does that mean to you, you know? And I'll say with Jill too, she she said this is the first time she's hired somebody, but she's been a teammate and a team captain for a long time too. 
And so like the minute somebody's on our team, then they're on our team. Then it's about mm-hmm. how do you get the most out of this person. How, you know, what are their strengths and how can they contribute to the team? Jill's giving them feedback. It's like, you know, it's like she's watching game tape and giving people <laughs> immediate feedback all the time. So if that's not something you're comfortable with, you probably don't want to work with us. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might want to pour with your right hand, not your left hand. That, that cup of coffee could have been done a little bit better, but no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Carol, I want to, uh, I want to follow up on something that, that you said there and just briefly segue a little bit into your coaching sure. role. So at Helm, your customers, you take who comes through the door, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you don't get to, you, you get to, put out your values and your mission. You wanted to be welcoming and all those things. But at the end of the day, you don't necessarily know who's going to walk through the door and you're going to do great work. You're going to serve them. You hope they have a wonderful time, come back, all those things in your coaching role, mm-hmm. right? You get to choose who you work with. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your ideal client? Yeah. Thanks for that. I do think it's really important to have a good fit with your coach and your coach for you to feel like there's a good fit. So For me, I started out thinking I was going to have this really definable niche of women leaders in the corporate space because that's who I had been. And I will tell you that that I think was way too limiting for me because I have worked with entrepreneurs. I have worked with leaders in the corporate space, in the small business space, yoga teachers, stay-at-home moms, people of all different walks of life. And I think what really defines people that I work with is they are ambitious about their life. There is something that they want to be really passionate about. There is a life that they want to build. And whether that is the position they want to succeed to at work or the kind of home that they want to build with their family, there's there's something that they deeply desire and they're willing to get help to help them get there. Those are the folks that that I, I really love working with. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for us. Before we, we transition into the lightning round, I have to ask both of you, what is your favorite coffee beverage? I was going to say espresso, but we don't have an espresso machine. So uh, <laughs> just black coffee. Really. Yeah. So we're very, Jill's like very specialty coffee, black coffee, like the most, you know, I still like my cream and sugar and coffee, but. <laughs> she will done cream and sugar and uh, yeah. most expensive coffee, but that's, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And I like it. So, <laughs> uh, but the variety, when I really started buying into specialty coffee was when Jill brought a varietal called a Gesha home. And then I was like, oh, now I get it which I can drink black and enjoy, but I'm an Americana girl. That's my, I like espresso and hot water. And for the benefit of the listeners, I'm sure you could hear it in their voices, but I really wish you could have seen both of their faces as they were trying to answer that question. (laughs) Cause it was, you you could tell that there was a little bit of uh, angst and pain and in the responses coming. (laughs) (laughs) One more coffee related question, because I too love espresso and I'm kind of fascinated by this, but coffee is such a, diversified supply chain probably is the best way of putting it right. It's grown while it has grown in certain regions. It has grown worldwide. I guess, Jill, this question is for you since you've clearly geeked out on this and I'm, I would love to hear how you would answer this. What is it that brings out the different flavor profiles in the coffee? Is it the beans? Is it the roasting process? Is it a combination of the two? And how have you educated yourself in this? Oh, man. Yes, it's a combination of both. So depending on where the beans are grown, um, what region around the world, what altitude, what method, there's tons of methods to process the coffee. And that's a whole can of worms that you can like go down. And I swear every year there's a new processing method. 
right? From fermentation to wash to natural, like I'm just telling you a bunch of things that I probably won't dive into, but whatever that is, region, processing, and then how you roast it. So we can take the same coffee and I can roast it one way, Carol could roast it another way, and those flavor profiles will be completely different or can be, right? So the idea is for us to find the coffee and exhibit those flavor profiles as best we can um, that are inherent into the coffee bean. Thank you. And one other geeking out on coffee question, but it's directly tied to your mission. Just like everything else, you know, there are good suppliers, there are good growers, there are dubious of both. Since you are such a mission-focused company, how, how do you approach sourcing your product to make sure that that the growers are treated in the way that you would want your customers to be treated or, you know, how, how do you approach those challenges in the supply chain that most people probably don't think about when they go buy a cup of coffee and move on with their day? Yeah. I think for us, we're still learning that process a lot and sourcing directly from the farmer or from importers. And right now, just because we're so small and we want a variety of beans, we source from well-known importers that, publish their mission, their values, their, um, how they are um, ethically, you know, you know, doing right by the farmers and things like that. Um, but that's still an area of like, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, and um, that's a, definitely a learning opportunity for me to dive into once we get a little bit bigger and I have some more time to, to do it. But the short answer is we find importers that, you know, are well-known, have their mission out in public, and they follow through on that. So, Thank you. Yeah. We're going to pivot to the lightning round, and I ask the same four questions of everyone, and I'm going to throw in a fifth wild card question for both of you yes. on this one. The essence of the lightning round, there are no wrong answers. There are only long answers. So <laughs> I will let you decide who gets to, uh, to answer first, or if you want to answer on behalf of each other, that's fine as well. But the first question is, what would we find on your car radio? For me, nothing. <laughs> or NPR. I don't really listen to music. Yeah. I listen to music whenever I possibly can, and it's always singer-songwriters. All right. So, yeah. Thank you. What would we find on your bedside table or e-reader? The Name of the Wind, probably, for me. Yeah, I, I geek out on personal development books, so um, the one I've got right now is The Courage to be Disliked. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. This next one, I'm not I'm not trying to create a wedge issue here. This is the same question I ask everybody. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Unanimity. The second to last question, because I am going to throw a wild card in here, is what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? The one I think for you that you say a lot of is from your dad. Which one? Well, I don't quite remember, but it's... Well, it's I, I will tell dad. you. So it's, it's really hard to <laughs> narrow this down, but the one Jill is thinking of when Jill got, we didn't even talk about it, any of this, but Jill's also been through cancer multiple times. When she first got sick, my dad, who's also gone through a lot of illness and as a doctor said, when things are at their worst, you have to be at your best. You don't get to, this is not the time to fall apart. And um, as hard as that is, it's a, it's a really good, it was helpful. And I still think that's true. It's probably, it's probably another one. There's probably 10. Yeah. We have, we have a lot of dads. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm really... I don't have the best memory with this kind of thing. So yeah, yeah I have to think about it. The, the other thing I would say that I, I don't know if there's like a nice quip of a line that I could use, but I think from a, from the CEO that I used to work for, you know, he's probably the first person in my entire career that told me you should focus more on what you think about yourself instead of what other people think about you. And I think that that has 
defined a lot of the changes I made in my own life and what I help my clients do as well. Yeah, and I guess the one thing that comes to my mind, and I can't remember who told it to me, but from an athlete perspective, one of the biggest gifts was to focus on your strengths. I think, um, especially coming back from my neck injury, I had to redefine who I was as a player. I was no longer, you know, this like in my mind, this strong, fierce, ferocious player. I had to get, I had to change skill sets, and then I had to redefine my strengths and focus on those so I can make the Olympics. So, just that focusing on your strengths and being okay to pivot and let go of your previous identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, those are all wonderful. Thank you. The question that I'm adding in here, which I think uh, hopefully will be beneficial to listeners, is what advice would you give to somebody who is sitting in a job that they're good at, in a career that they can continue to do and hopefully enjoy, but feels that spark of passion? What What would you say to that person? I would say go for it. I'm always 100 fit, go for it. And uh, obviously do it in a way that's responsible, but take the chance. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Be okay starting at ground zero, you know. I think I got my first coffee job as a barista. Not trying to do it all at one time, so little by little. Yeah. Build your skill set. Yeah. Gosh. I would say I would say two things. One is focus more on who you want to become than who you've been. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of times we try to keep writing our narrative so that it makes sense as if we're writing a book and you don't have to do any of that. No. Right? You don't you can choose who you want to become and go towards that. And then the other thing I would say is take yourself and your career a little less seriously in the sense of be okay with experimenting and trying new things. If you, if you think you might want to open a flower shop, cool, go take a flower arranging class or go offer to work for free for the local coffee roaster. You know, those kind of things, especially it's almost like the better people are or the more successful they are, the harder time they have being a little more irreverent about playing with their career and the things they might want to do. And so my advice would be to let yourself be a little more playful and experimental like you did when you were a kid, right? Than trying to like, okay, I can quit my job and I will open a bakery tomorrow. It's a lot more iterative than that. Yeah, I like it. Play more. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure that everybody listening, not just in the central Indiana area, but also wherever you may be listening to this, if you find yourself in town or you want to uh, to get online and check it out, where would people learn more about Helm, both online as well as the physical location? Yeah, we're in uh, Garfield Park. Head down there. We're open Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 2. And you can check us out online at helmcoffeeroasters.com. You can always buy coffee online as well. So if you're not in the central Indiana area, that's how we started actually was people buying on online. So please don't hesitate to get your coffee there. Yeah. And Jill won't judge you. However, you end up brewing it when you open that package. (laughs) So yes. And if you find yourself uh, in Indianapolis for a convention, you can hop on the red line, head South Mm -hmm. and uh, you will find Helm Roasters in person. And I can say it is a beautiful space and truly very welcoming. So We could go on and on because there's a whole lot that we barely even scratch the surface. But I will just end by saying, Carol and Jill, thank you very much for joining. I wish you both the best, both with Helm as well as uh, life and your other professional ventures. And uh, have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for having us. Appreciate it.